Do you need to do cardiovascular training to increase your cardiovascular fitness? Now, if you asked me that question well over 30 years ago, I would have said, of course you need to do cardiovascular training if you want to increase your cardiovascular fitness because cardiovascular training trains the aerobic energy system. And the only way to improve the aerobic energy system is to train in the aerobic energy system. And that's basically long, slow distance type training. So you go for a 5K run, a 10K run, hop on the bike for half an hour, whatever it might be. And back in those days, we used to program, you need to do at least 30 minutes to get a significant effect and improvement in your cardiovascular fitness. However, now if you ask me that, I'd say good news, the answer is no, you don't. Because since then, myself and the research in general has a better understanding of the energy systems. Because the cardiovascular system, the aerobic energy system, is the last long distance type energy system you use to get energy to go for a long period of time at a slower pace. The other two systems, the phosphate energy system, which is that energy system for quick energy to express force and produce energy quickly, what we use in the fight and flight uh, principles of survival, where you have to sprint quickly or lift something quickly or climb quickly. That energy system, traditionally we used to use and train in the form of strength training. And then you have the middle energy system called the lactate energy system, which is more for what we used to call muscular endurance or anaerobic endurance. Now, the first two systems, the phosphate energy system and the lactate energy system, we call them anaerobic energy systems because the body can produce energy without the presence of oxygen because you need to produce it fast, therefore the body doesn't have time to get oxygen in, in through your lungs, into your respiratory system, into the cardiovascular system, down to the muscular system, in the cells of the muscles to produce energy at that speed. So we call them the anaerobic energy system. The last system, the aerobic we use, we call it the aerobic because you use oxygen to produce energy. Because you're going at a slower rate, you've got a longer period of time, you've got plenty of time to get oxygen, breathe it into the respiratory system, transport it into via the cardiovascular system, uh, and then absorb it into the muscular system and then produce energy at a slower rate where you can keep supplying oxygen. I guess if you look at the three systems, it's like my little fire here. The, if I need to build a fire because it's really cold and I need to get the fire going really, really quickly, then what I would put on the fire is uh, I'll obviously have my uh, wood and I'll have my uh, paper. And then if I want to really get it started, then I'll throw some kerosene or petrol on it. So throwing the kerosene or petrol on it and lighting it up, poof, it creates energy and creates a fire rapidly, instantly. Uh, but... Uh, that would be the phosphate energy system, but it doesn't last very long. It's a very short burst of energy, very short burst of flame. But the purpose of that is that we'll get into the next energy source, which is the, the paper. And the paper we'll call the energy source in the lactate energy system, where you can still produce energy quickly, uh, it burns, still burns quickly, but longer than the fuel. So the kerosene, the petrol, is what we call ATP-CP, which is used as a source of energy, and I'll talk more about that in the uh, lactate system. The paper would be glucose or glycogen or sugar, whatever you want to call it, whether it's sugar in food, and 
But carbohydrate in food, when it's absorbed into the blood, we call it glucose. When it's stored in the cells of the body, we call it glycogen. So that would be the lactase. It means I can burn the paper again. It goes longer, uh, gets me going, but it doesn't last long. But if I want that fire to keep burning for a long period of time, slowly, maybe not the flames aren't as high, but longer in a lower flame, lower production of energy for a longer period of time, We'll call that the aerobic energy system, and that's where you start burning into the wood. And burning into the wood is where you start to use more uh, the wood, which is the fat, as a source of energy. And in the cardiovascular or the aerobic energy system, we use fat and carbohydrate as a source of energy because we can burn the carbohydrate slowly as well. And I'm not going to get into that in this session. In the lactate, it's purely glycogen or carbohydrate burned quickly, and the phosphate, it's the, uh, the energy is ATP, CP. Uh, which is adenosine triphosphate, where you can burn very quickly like kerosene. So there's a simple description. And back in the old days, when I was, uh, you know, first uh, started as an exercise professional, my car at the time was in the 1973 Orange Datsun 180B, and it only had three gears. I guess you could describe the first gear as the phosphate system. You know, I need to get going quickly, accelerate in first gear, but I couldn't stay in first gear for a very for long, so it can produce energy quickly and get the car going quickly, but not for very long. And then I'd drop it in the second gear, and then it would go not quite as fast or rapidly as the first gear, but it could get me going in even further. And I wouldn't stay in first gear for too, uh, second gear for too long because it was like, but when I went onto the motorway, I need to go for a long period of time and go into cruise mode, I'd drop it into. Uh, third gear. So first gear is like the phosphate system, second gear is like the lactate system, and third gear is like the aerobic energy system. I know cars have up to six gears and some even more, but if we make it really simple, with the old column shift, the, the Holden Kingsley, which I used to I learned how to drive on, and he had three gears. So there's three, uh, two little analogies which will help you, you know, maybe understand a bit more. And any time you can drop a gear, if I come up to a hill and I'm in third gear, I need to express energy quickly to get up there, uh, because I'm, I need to drop drop the gear down the second gear, and if I'm going along and and I need to really really accelerate, I drop the gear, and that really accelerates me, but not for a long period of time, but for a short period of time. So your body can go in and out of uh, phosphate, lactate, uh, and aerobic. And I guess a lot of games such as soccer or basketball or rugby league or football, they all incorporate the three systems. If you get a sprint for a ball very quickly to kick a ball into the goal, then that's phosphate. If you're the goalie, you jump in the air and you catch the ball and, and protect it from scoring a goal, that's phosphate. But if you're actually uh, sprinting, it's a longer sprint. It might be you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 metres. It's a 60, 70 metres. And, and then you've got to you know, go quickly and short and quickly and short and short rest quick, and that's going to be lactate. But as you're moving around the field, catching your breath, positioning yourself for the next move, that's going to be aerobic. And then you can integrate from first, second, third gear, from uh, kerosene to paper to fat, depending on what the role you have in the game and what's happening in the game. So that gives you, I guess, a broad picture view of the three energy systems. And I guess going back to my original question is, do I need to train in the aerobic energy system to get aerobically fit? And that's a great question because I guess a lot of the people which I come across is, yeah, they like to go in the gym, they like to do the strength training, they like to do what they call the toning training, which is, yeah, strength training. 
but not as many people as a, you know, how can you say, enjoy the long, slow distance type training because it takes so long, it can be a bit boring, and uh, it's not very exciting going for a plug jog for half an hour or hopping a bike for half an hour. And that's why I guess group exercise is a, yeah, a big thing because then, you know, that distracts you from the long uh, time that it takes to get a result. Uh, and with the group, you do circuits. But even when you look at circuits, circuits are really short bursts of energy. You go to a station here, and you do as many push-ups as you can. You know, over there, you do as many jump squats as you can. So really, it's phosphate, 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 phosphate. Maybe you've been to lactate, if it goes you know, up to 30 seconds to a minute, phosphate, lactate, phosphate, lactate, with rest in between. So even with a circuit, it's not really technically aerobic, because it's lots of anaerobic stations combined together. But however, you will still get aerobically fit. And one thing I noticed that uh, in my early years when I was a, a researcher, a sports scientist, and I was, to, I was to study strength training, my master's degree was on uh, the benefit of strength and conditioning on sporting performance. And obviously in that I did a lot of literature reviews and read a lot of research studies on strength training. And a lot of the strength training studies uh, measured strength gains and muscle gains, but they also measured uh, any changes in cardiovascular fitness. And what I noticed is that uh, any strength training study that did purely strength training, but they also measured cardiovascular fitness, the group that they were studied, their cardiovascular fitness improved. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. How did the cardiovascular fitness improve when they weren't training in that energy system? They were training more in the phosphate, maybe the initial parts of the lactate. How did that energy system improve? And I can never really fully comprehend that back in my earlier uh, I guess ignorant and naive days as an exercise professional or even as a sports scientist but as you grow and you start to think and ask more questions then you can start to join the dots and see how these three systems can integrate and one can actually benefit the other. The other thing I noticed is I was training, I used to train a lot of elite athletes, uh, they were 100 meter sprinters and more strength or power based athletes and even though they didn't do any cardiovascular, because most of them hated doing cardiovascular training, that's why they chose a sport, high jump, sprinting, long jump, uh, you know, whatever it might be, uh, they chose those sports because they didn't like the distance training, they liked the short explosive stuff, and they didn't like the long, slow distance type training. Uh, and, but what I did find with all of them, they were all lean, they were muscular, they were very uh, athletic. And they are all aerobically fit. So whoever ever did any cardiovascular training through sport or recreation, they were always really, really fit. And I thought, wow, they're really cardiovascular fit, but they do know cardiovascular training. I also noticed in myself, uh, from a personal point of view, is my addiction when I was young was strength training. I want to get buffed and all that bit. And I spent you know, a lot of time in the gym back in the younger days. And I didn't do any cardiovascular training. Anytime I did cardiovascular training, it's when I would go into a, a kickboxing or martial arts event, but I had big chunks of time off from that, and I just did strength training, but I always had a good level of cardiovascular fitness, even though I didn't do cardiovascular training. So how does that work? Well, let me go through uh, you know, the phosphate energy system. For people who do more strength training or short burst of uh, high-intensity type activity for a short period of time, and maybe that's going to help you understand that maybe you don't have to do cardiovascular training to be cardiovascular fit, particularly for life. Now I understand maybe if you're training for a marathon, then there's a certain distance you, you, you ideally should do, depending on each individual, uh, to be able to get the endurance and the wear and tear in the body and the adherence mentally, physically, spiritually, all of that to be able to do the distance that's good specificity of training. 
But when it comes to life, is how fit do you really need to be from a cardiovascular fitness point of view to have a healthy, fit life? Because what parts of life do you go for a half-hour plug jog? Or what parts of life do you go for? Because a lot of the time, we either walk or we sprint. We're walking on the street, we're going to catch a bus. Oh my gosh, we're late, the bus is about to go, I have to sprint for the bus. But if you miss the bus, you don't keep chasing the bus for half an hour until the next stop. So therefore, you find that Cardiovascular fitness is something which is not necessarily used on a day-to-day life. Phosphate, absolutely. Maybe lactate, yeah, a bit of a short endurance lactate. Phosphate's up to 10 seconds, lactate can go up to two minutes. But when it comes to aerobics, not many things that we do in life that requires us to produce energy at a lower rate, uh, at, at a level of, say, 60, 70, 80% of maximum heart rate for a long period of time. Yes, when we're at rest, we're working aerobically but that's at a very low level of uh, energy output. When we're walking, it's still a low level of energy output. I mean, we're talking about cardiovascular training, you're looking at maybe 60, 70% of maximal heart rate, means you have to get your heart rate up and you have to do that through rhythmical exercise and to be able to do it rhythmically for a long period of time. Not many parts of life that I can think of uh, that we necessarily do that. And I guess if you go back to hunter-gatherer days from a theoretical point of view. If I was the hunter and I'm going hunting, then I'd probably walk, you know, spend the day walking to the hunting area. I don't jog to the hunting area. I'll walk with my spear and my, my tomahawk or whatever I may have. And then I get to the hunting area and then I start creeping around and in the bushes and wait for the gazelle or whatever it might be. And then I, when I do something, then I throw it as fast as I can, which is phosphate, or sprint after it, then throw it. But I don't, if I miss the throw, I don't chase the gazelle uh, and work aerobically. I go, okay, well, I'll sneak up on the next one. So even back in those days, it's theoretically uh, you know, that you tend to walk and then sprint. Walk and sprint. And the only times that you'd sprint for a long period of time is if you feel that you could catch the gazelle or do a shortcut uh, through a, you know, a gorge to catch a gazelle. Or it may be from uh, you've been attacked by a grizzly bear. You know, a grizzly bear goes after you and they keep chasing you. So you're sprinting for the first 10 seconds and they're still running and you've got to keep going because there's a tree, uh, you know, there's a tree about 200 metres away and you're going to sprint for the tree so you go into lactate and then you climb the tree which is phosphate and lactate. Um, but if it's going to be any further than that, the bear will, you know, will probably catch you and therefore you don't have to worry about it. So I guess from a lifestyle function point of view, the aerobic energy system it's not necessarily a thing that really needs to be conditioned. You know, what parts of life do you need to, unless it's a sport or a, you know, a, a recreational sport that you're participating in, but what parts of life for a normal person's life do you need to have fitness across 30 minutes or so or one hour or so or 45 minutes or so or 20 minutes or so or even 10 minutes for that matter where you need to be fit for 10 minutes consistently for 10 minutes? Well, I can't think of any really. Uh, you may need to want to be fit and strong to lift rocks in the garden or to dig holes or to, obviously a lot of people lift weights or look buffed, uh, but if it's a sporting reason, maybe so, but for general life, maybe not. So if you work in the phosphate energy system, you know, the high intensity energy, which is through strength training and maybe lactate where you do a bit of interval type training, you know, how does that, how does that activity in those that first energy system and the start of the second year, how does that transition to get you fit 
into the aerobic energy system. So let me go through some simple approaches which will help maybe you know, open your eyes to that or open your mind. So first of all, the phosphate energy system, as I said, that's like uh, producing energy very, very quickly. And it, you produce it where you need to sprint quickly or throw something or jump in the air or quickly climb something uh, or wrestle into high amounts of force. Now, that's obviously in a controlled uh, environment we train that through things such as strength training, where I lift the weight and I'm fatiguing the muscle in maybe five to 15 seconds, where the muscle fatigues. Now, if you're doing strength training and you're not fatiguing in that five to 15 seconds, which might be anywhere between three to maybe 10 repetitions, if you're not fatiguing, you're not in the phosphate energy system. It's, you have to fatigue to go to failure, means you're expressing the maximum amount of force in that time frame. If you are going to be doing that, then you'll fatigue because it's maximal force. But if you can lift more rep, rep, repetitions, more than 15 or so, and you, and, you, and you stop, then you're actually having you know, dug into that energy system. You're probably more in the lactate system. And sometimes the weights that people use, it's so low, you're really in the aerobic energy system, even though you've got weights to think you're in the phosphate energy system. But really, the weights are so low, the force, the load is so low, the intensity is so low, the stress is so low, yeah, you're really just moving moving limbs around with the little things in your arm. And understand it's relative depending on strength, it has to be relative to you. So the phosphate energy system. Now what is the energy source of the phosphate? So very quickly, as I mentioned before, phosphate energy system uses denison triphosphate as its source of energy. It's an energy-rich molecule that's stored in the cells of the body. Um, the lactate energy system uses glycogen, yeah, or yeah, glycogen and food forms carbohydrate in the blood as glucose. Glycogen or your sugars in the blood. So that is the energy source for the lactate energy system. We're not going to go too much into that. And the aerobic energy system uses glycogen and fat. So they're the energy source there. And a little bit of protein. But I'm not going to open up that. You know, but it's only around 5% top, 3 to 5%. So let's focus on the phosphate energy system. So the phosphate is, is, is used an energy source called adenosine triphosphate. So adenosine triphosphate is an energy-rich molecule. So adenosine is a adenosine molecule uh, with three phosphate molecules attached to it. So let me use a little visual, very simple. You have the, the uh, adenosine, which is my big bright yellow molecule, and attached to that you have three phosphate molecules, and then my black pen. So the yellow pen is the adenosine. The three black pens are the phosphate. So what basically happens? Well, there's a law of energy. First of all, you cannot create or destroy energy. Energy just changes its form. So energy doesn't go anywhere, it just changes its form. That's basically the law of energy. You can't get rid of energy, it just transitions. So when you have a molecule, the energy in a molecule is stored in the bonds that hold the the adenosine with the three phosphates. So that's that, that's a storage of energy. It holds them together. So if I want to form a molecule, I need energy to build it together. I need it to build. So I need to build anything. I need to produce energy to build it. If I want to build a building, I have to get energy to build it. So building molecules requires energy. If I break a molecule apart, that releases the energy in the bonds. So when I break a molecule apart, it releases energy. 
So stored in the bonds is chemical energy. And when I release it, it's released and used as mechanical energy in the muscles, and some is dispersed off as heat. So these are in the cells of my body, and I need to produce energy quickly. And it's right in the cells, so it's ready to go. It's right in the engine. It's in the engine, it's in, it's in the cylinders. These are in the cylinders, the petrol in the cylinders. It doesn't need to be brought from the tank. It's already there. So if I need to produce energy quickly, where I lift a heavy load, or I need to sprint, or I need to throw something, or duck, whatever it might be, or if I'm going to lift a heavy weight, I need to, okay, one, two, three, and I lift the weight as hard as I can on the express high mass of energy quickly, even though the movement might be slow, because the weight itself may be slowing the movement down. But if that weight disappeared, boom, I'll jump in the air if I'm doing a deadlift. So if I'm doing a maximal weight deadlift, and the deadlift disappears, what will happen? Boom, I'll go up. So that's why doing a deadlift with maximal force or doing a jump squat with maximal force is still using the same energy. One is you see body weight, so it's a lot of load, so expressing force, a high amount of force with a lot of load, which means it goes faster, or a high amount of force with a heavy load means that the result speed is slower, but I'm still producing high force. So if I need to produce high force, I need energy. So the body goes, I need energy. I've got adenosine triphosphate in the cells of the body. I need it quickly. I'm going to access it close to the engine so I can use it instantly. It's instant energy. If I'm sitting in my little camp, you know, with my marshmallows and the grizzly bear runs in, I just jump up quickly and I sprint. You know, I don't need to get the energy from anywhere. It's instantaneous. It would take me a millisecond to get out of that camp when the grizzly bear runs through. So how does that happen? Basically, I need to produce energy. Energy is in the cells of the body, in, in the cells of the molecules. What I basically do is I break away a phosphate molecule. And now I've got two. I've got a denison diphosphate rather than a triphosphate, means there's only two, and a phosphate. So what happens, I, and these are all through the cells of the body, so basically what happens, it breaks away and releases energy instantaneously. That's the initial, the first two seconds or so of the phosphate energy system using adenosine triphosphate. And that will produce instant energy, rapidly, quickly, on the spot, for around about two seconds. And after about two seconds, you've basically broken your resources apart. You've combusted them. And I guess when you look at a car, you put the petrol, the petrol gets put into the cylinders where it gets combusted with a spark plug. And the spark ignites the petrol and basically explodes it. And that explosion breaks all the molecules apart and that releases energy. So basically petrol is like ATP. You ignite it with a spark, the spark plugs, with the petrol in the cylinder, it's compressed, it explodes, produces energy. Then it fills back up again, explodes, fills back up again, fills back up again, explodes, produces energy. So there's a nice correlation to maybe a car, if you understand about cars. But you, this is, boom, you've exploded. That's one explosion. And you've got instant energy. But what happens after that? Well, what happens after that is that I need to, after two seconds, if I still need to produce energy after two seconds, then where do I get the energy from? Well, this phosphate system is a genius system. It has a rebuilding program. And what it basically does, it has the ability to break the phosphate apart and to rebuild the adenosine tri diphosphate back into adenosine triphosphate. And how does it do it? Well, I'll bring it along another molecule that's in the cells of the body, which is cretin phosphate. So cretin phosphate is a cretin molecule. I'll use my blue pen as cretin. 
and black is a phosphate. Same. So they're all, all the same. The black are the phosphate. So let's start again. So we have these two ready at your disposal. I need instantaneous energy. So what happens? This one breaks away, producing energy. But I need to keep producing energy. So what I'll do, this one breaks away from the cretin. It breaks down the cretin phosphate. It breaks away the phosphate. And this phosphate joins to this one to rebuild adenosine triphosphate. While that's happening, we have this one joins to the cretin and rebuilds your cretin phosphate. So let's go again. I need to produce energy. This one breaks away. Whoop. This is like a little threesome. Hello, on the dance floor. Threesome. One goes, eh, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go away. Over here. This is a pair. This one here goes, well, I want to join this threesome. This twosome now. <laughs> and to rejoin it. And then these two are lonely at the bar. And they go, hey, let's hook up. Since you left, your phosphate left you. And you left your, your other phosphates. Just hook up. And they rebuild. So what we do, we release energy, poof, energy. Rebuild energy. Rebuild. Release. Rebuild. Rebuild. And that's the cycle. Release energy. Use the phosphate from the cretin to rebuild the denison diphosphate. Rebuild. Bring these two back together. Rebuild. So it's this beautiful little system that cycles around and that system can do produce can do that very rapidly not as rapid as the initial break but very rapidly to extend that high level of energy production and extend it to around about 10 seconds you know around 10 seconds so if you look at maybe a 100 meter sprinter when they're on the blocks bam as they kick off the blocks it's explosive energy which is bang they're off for the first two seconds they're using the adenosine triphosphate. But then to get to the next maybe 90, 80 meters, then this is happening. To extend it. And this has this ability to maximize your speed and maintain that maximal expression of force up to six, seven, eight, nine seconds of maximal force production. If the 100 meter sprinter had to keep going after 100 meters around about, you'd find that this would start to, it couldn't keep up. It couldn't keep up with the energy requirement because the production of energy is lower than the need for energy. And then what will happen is that you start to slow down. So basically, in your training the phosphate energy system, this releases energy and then that goes there and that goes there. Now, I did say, now you probably, you might be thinking, okay, Cameron, you said to release energy or to get energy you need to break molecules and to build molecules you need energy so when I rebuild this releases the energy but I have to rebuild and I have to rebuild so when I rebuild these molecules I need energy so where do I get that from great question when the phosphate system right you have enough energy floating around to do that for up to 10 seconds but once that 10 seconds is up and you have a rest, say if I do weight training, I do deadlifts, I do maybe six repetitions, five repetitions, that's the maximum weight. And, I, and you notice that when you do maybe bench press or 100 meter sprint 
or a 10, 5, 6, 7, 8 rep, repetitions of, of a squat with a really heavy weight. Uh, or you do, I'm a martial artist, if I do you know, 15 seconds of sprinting or, or punching, at, at the end of it, I'm okay doing it, but when I finish, I'm walking around and I'm, <sighs> I start to breathe heavy after the anaerobic event. If you're a 100 meter sprint, at the end of it, you'd be hands in your, <sighs> and you're huffing and puffing. So what are you doing there? Well, basically what you're doing is that huffing and puffing is getting oxygen into the body to produce energy aerobically, aerobically to rebuild your anaerobic stores. So yes, you release energy instantly, but to rebuild it, when you rebuild this, when you have a rest interval, for example, the body starts to break down your fats and your carbohydrates aerobically to produce energy to be used to rebuild your ATP and your CP. So even though the bout or the set or the lap, whatever it might be, even though that's technically not aerobic and you're using the phosphate energy system, or even if you're using the anaerobic energy system, so if you do a, a 400 meter sprint, or you sprint for one minute or 40 seconds, it's lactate, you're using glycogen as a source of energy. You use your phosphate for the first 10 seconds, then you use glycogen anaerobically, which produces energy quickly, uh, but not as quick as the phosphate, and you get a byproduct of lactic acid, which is that jelly-like sensation, that, that, that burn in your legs, and, you, and then you, at the end, you're huffing and puffing, then your body will needs to rebuild your ATP and your CP. And how, where does it get the energy to rebuild it? It gets it from aerobic resources. It gets it from aerobic energy system, breaking down your substrate energy, fat, and carbohydrate aerobically to produce energy to rebuild this. And because it takes time to produce the energy aerobically, that's why when you do a, a 100 meter sprint or a 400 meter sprint, 100 meters phosphate, 400 meters is lactate, whether that be a minute of jump squats or 10 seconds of maximal jump squats or uh, 10 seconds of maximal weight or one minute of a, a sub weight but doing it for a minute, whether it be aerobic or anaerobic, when you finish your recovery, your energy recovery is dependent upon the aerobic energy system. So during the event you might be working anaerobically would be phosphate or lactate, but in the rest interval you're working aerobically, not to produce energy for performance, but to produce energy for rebuilding your molecules to get ready for the next phosphate bout or the next lactate bout. And that's why I put my pens down. That's why, even though you're not technically doing aerobic, what we call aerobic exercise, but you are, because aerobic has been stimulated in the recovery after anaerobic events. So when you do, say, a circuit, you do one 30 seconds or one minute there, then you have a 15 second rest or 30 second rest, and you go for the next, your aerobic energy system is used. When I train with my fellow judo training partners, we always finish off with uh, a training, a, a good fitness session, but it's very much anaerobic. 
because judo is very anaerobic. It's a three-minute bout that's very physical. And same with uh, you know, a lot of boxing. It's very anaerobic and you rest in the corner in between rounds. In the, in the corner, you're catching your breath. You're recovering aerobically. So go and do the next boxing bout with this phosphate and, and anaerobic. Then you go to the corner. And yeah, so it's really a form of interval training. So when we do our bout, we, we might do 20 seconds of push-ups as many as we can, 20 seconds of jump squats, as much as we can, and 20 seconds of dumbbell pulls as fast as we can, which adds up to a minute. And then after we just, and we give ourselves a 30 second rest to catch our breath, then we go again. But in that 30 second rest, that's where the body is developing its aerobic energy system as a form of a recovery energy system. So if you ask, do you need to work anaerobic, do you need to work aerobically to build your aerobic energy system? The answer is no. Because you can develop your, by developing your phosphate energy system and developing your anaerobic energy system, whether it be short bursts or phosphate bouts, where you do second, 10 second sprints, rest, 10 second sprint, rest, 10 second sprint, rest. That rest is not really rest, it's recovery. And that recovery is dependent upon the aerobic energy system. system. If it's lactate bouts, you know, 30 second work, then you may have a 30 second rest, 30 second work, 30 second rest, that's the recovery. So you're really working all the energy systems and you're probably working in them in a more functional manner anyway because I guess a lot of sports operate that way. So when people get try to get fit for sport, they go for long distance events, uh, long distance jogging. But that doesn't make sense because basketball is not a long distance jog. Football is not a long distance jog. It's a time frame of interval bouts in the middle and the aerobic energy system is mostly used as a form of recovery. If you're a rugby league player and you run the ball up and you're pushing, 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 you're wrestling with three other guys and they're trying to tackle you, pushing, pushing, then you fall down and then you get up and play the ball, you see them walk off and they're... That's how the aerobic energy system is used in sport. So why do we train it? in a performance form of training rather than a recovery form of training. Now, if your sport is running, 5K run, 10K run, you know, marathon, half marathon, fair enough. But if your sport doesn't use the aerobic energy system that way, then why are you training it in a way that it's not really used in the sport, where it's used in the sport as a form of recovery? So for the general population who may not like the long distance stuff because it's long LSD, long slow distance equals long slow results and it can, can be quite boring and they don't have time, then maybe integrating in their day little bouts of 10 second, 15 seconds, 30 second bouts of activity, it doesn't always have to be at once. For example, Rory, she's super, super fit. Uh, she always has been uh, and she has a cross trainer and what she does regularly throughout the day, she'll just hop on the cross trainer for 10 seconds and just blast as hard as she can for 10 seconds. Hard as she can, and she'll hop off, and that's it. And then she'll walk off and do what she's doing, and the next time she walks past it, no matter what she's dressed in, you don't have to be dressed in your fancy leotards or your gym gear or your active wear, you can train anything, hop in there and blast away, blast away. And you can actually get very fit with very short intervals of training throughout the day. You don't have to say, oh, I need to allocate a whole hour here, drive half hour to the gym, do an hour train, drive half hour back, that's two hours gone. And the biggest reason why people don't exercise is because they, the excuse is they don't have time. Well, now you can wedge your exercise bouts 
in the cracks in the time cracks of the day and get magnificent results. And I'd even suggest better results because in a short period of time you're going to put more effort in. More effort means more intensity, more quality of effort, more quality in your performance of that bout when it comes to using your phosphate, using your muscles, using your you know, expression of force, but also your ability to, to recover uh, from that bout of activity. I was talking to one of my judo mates the other day and he's saying, you know, what is the minimal time? I said, there's no minimal time. You know, there is no shorter time. You don't have to, there's no minimal. If you just go and, you know, research now, now shows, you know, published research now shows that two minutes uh, can have significant effects on your cardiovascular fitness. And that's not two minutes straight. That's uh, more 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. But it's really hard 30 seconds. It's really lasting quality 30 seconds. And that's it. And that has a, uh, a positive effect on your blood lipid profiles, and your cardiovascular fitness, on your, on your, uh, you know, your insulin, everything. All the different measuring tools is that very positive effect. So can you get cardiovascular fit without doing cardiovascular training? Yes, by doing anaerobic training with the cardiovascular system is critical in the recovery after any anaerobic event, whether it be phosphate or whether it be lactate. And now you're probably training your aerobic system the way it's probably been designed uh, to recover. Because if I'm uh, the caveman and I'm walking along, all of a sudden the, the bear chases me, you know, I'm not jogging long distance to the... Uh, to the hunting field, I'm probably walking there. But along the way, if the bear chases me, and I sprint, and then I'm, I climb up a tree, and the bear's there, and I'm there, I'm catching my breath, the bear runs away, I drop down and get out of there again. The aerobic system is there to recover so I can get out of danger. Not so much, because aerobic energy system is not an energy system to get out of danger because it's too slow. I don't jog away from the bear. I don't jog away from a predator. I sprint away. Then I hide, recover, then sprint again. Hide, recover, sprint. So there's a bit of food for thought because traditionally we've always thought of the aerobic energy system as have to do LSD training, long, slow distance, but and well, we had to do a minimal amount of time. Well, you don't. You just have to do little bits of time when you can. And certainly if you're training for a specific event, you can customize it to make it more specific to the event, even though a lot of training for sports isn't really specific. If they're playing for basketball, they do long distance running. I'm a fighter. And traditionally, in boxing, they do road work. And they get up in the morning, and they're, they're boxers or kickboxers, and I used to be a professional kickboxer, and you do your 5, 10K run of what we call plug jog. You go along, you put your hoodie on, you, you visualize the rocky theme, and, you, and you know, they're throwing you an orange, and you go do 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 and you're jogging along. But I've fought a lot, and I've never seen boxing fought that way. No one hops in the ring, and they, they just run around the ring at that pace. You're on your toes, and the intensity is far higher. It goes up and down. And the other thing is plug jogging. When I'm running, I land on my heel, and then I push off my toe, heel toe. But when I fight, I fight on my toe. So even biomechanically, uh, it's not very specific. So I have not done plug jogging for fighting, and I've been fighting most of my life. Uh, I don't do any aerobic training. I do no aerobic training because I'm not training for the World Plug Jogging Championships. I don't do exercise which are irrelevant. You know, people say, do you do burpees? Well, I'm not training for the World Burpee Championships because it's no good for my back, but I don't go in the ring and do burpees all over my opponent. I punch and kick. So my training is very specific uh, to the sport and my cardiovascular fitness is always, you know, gets really high, not by doing aerobic training, but doing very anaerobic short bursts. And when I know I'll go into a world championship, 
Now I have a resting heart rate of about 44 beats per minute. I'm really, really fit, but I don't do any technically aerobic training whatsoever. I just do lots of anaerobic bursts, which is specific to my sport, and my aerobic fitness gets really high because it has to go high to recover for my anaerobic burst. So traditionally, long, slow distance, well, you can actually break it up into little tiny bits more anaerobic that gives you a better physiological effect. It makes you fitter and changes your physiology on a greater scale because you're providing a greater intensity in a shorter period of time. So you're stimulating far more effectively, not just the muscles, but all the energy, energy supporting the muscles, the energy systems, the neural drive is greater, and you get a greater hormonal effect. Not to mention, mental, uh, not to mention a greater uh, mind effect or mental health effect. Because in high intensity training, stimulates what we call brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is brain fertilizer for the brain, and makes you a lot more healthy mentally, physically, and uh, obviously. Yeah, spiritually as well. So there's a bit of food for thought to get you out of this old traditional box. We don't have to be in this one big box. You can put lots of little boxes in your life and get the the same, if not better, results than you would with the big box. So hope that's been helpful to get you to think, because I'm not here to tell you what to think, but also, but I'm also here to help you how to think. See you in the next KMAX. Mm-hmm.